Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. Now, here's your host, Richard Carthon. We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So, how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io. Or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cryptocurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. Today, I got a special guest rejoining us after a ton of amazing new uh, developments. Um, You know him back from episode 77 when he was working with Volturo, but he's joining us today to talk about something else, which is really, really cool that's going on called the standard.io. We have Joshua Siglia. How are you doing today? Hey, Richard, man. It's such a pleasure to be back. It feels like a lifetime ago that I've been on. Everything crypto happens so quickly. A minute is a week and... uh... (laughs) So much has happened, man. I mean, back when we last spoke was before COVID and everything else and the world has greatly changed. I know you're out in Berlin and even how everything's going out there, I'm sure is different than what's going on here in the States. But first, I want to just get a brief recap updates on what's going on with Volturo. So left off last time, everything was kind of going in a positive direction. What's the latest? Yeah, man. I mean, it's just keeps being positive. So Voltoro, for those that don't know, is it was the first Bitcoin exchange that traded to allocated gold. And the reason for that is because all these exchanges that deal with fiat have to have bank accounts. The bank accounts get shut down. Or if we have a banking crisis, all that money will disappear and it's not insured. Uh, well, it's insured to like 100K or something. So the whole, you know, an exchange has a billion dollars on it. It just loses everything but 100K. So Our focus was really on transparency, but also for people to buy allocated gold sitting in your name as your asset, insured to however much you want and fully audited by like a large auditing firm in a high security voting facility in Switzerland, and then trade it back to Bitcoin whenever you want it. For me, like a really big step to trade between rare numbers and rare metals rather than this filthy fiat stuff that we all got into Bitcoin to get away from, you know? <laughs> right. It's even more relevant as everything that's going on during COVID times with, you know, financial markets doing what they've been doing and just trying to understand how we can continue to like make sure that people are being empowered and can leave. I mean, a prime example, unfortunately, is what's going on in the world with Afghanistan, having to leave, having something liquid that you could go with. Bitcoin is a huge reason of why you would potentially want something like that as opposed to local currency. Yeah, absolutely. If you um, look at the stories during World War II, the people that managed to flee before she hit the fan, excuse my French, but they had diamonds and gold and silver. They had stuff that they could just grab and run that that would hold a dense amount of value. It's really, it's a strange time. And, and in terms of banking, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that we haven't seen a hard 
bank crisis yet. I think it's definitely coming. Like it's a ticking clock. It's kind of, you don't know, because so many businesses have gone out of business. So many businesses that have credit lines just have defaulted on those. And those defaults are being packaged up and sold elsewhere and hidden and just sort of stuffed. And, and these banks are getting like, <laughs> they've got so much hidden stuff that they're, it's going to, the jacket's going to blow and everything's going to pour out. Uh, yeah, we're going to probably have another credit crunch. It's hard to know when, but I, I, you know, this isn't financial advice, but we're on the crypto space for a reason. And that is get as many people out of fiat as possible. If they're holding savings in a unit of account, meaning fiat, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you hold savings in a rare asset like gold, silver, Bitcoin, Ethereum, something that's rare, that's ultimately rare? You just don't want to be holding this stuff. So my, my, our saying, especially with the standard, and we can talk about that later, but is really save in assets, spend in fiat. Don't save in fiat. That's got to be the dumbest thing ever. Another thing which is really interesting is during these inflationary times, like with the US printing $3 trillion and Europe printing as nearly just as much, like the whole world is printing. This is the first time that we're seeing a global inflationary event. And I went through and had a look at the history of hyperinflations. And they every time, every time, Richard, they happen the same way. It's like a huge catastrophic event, like a, like a natural disaster or some sort of a-hole, um, you know, politician gets in power and just screws everything up or some, something that needs stimulus. So they're like, oh, everything's gone to hell or war, you know, everything's gone to hell. Let's, uh, let's inject some, some cash. So they start printing to stimulate the economy. And that just, they, they can't help themselves but go further and further. And, and it's this train, it's this, it's, it's way bigger than the Titanic. And the reason the Titanic couldn't move away from that iceberg is just it's too big. It's on its course. It can't just nimbly move. So this is the exact same thing that's happening with the financial markets. And you know what's fascinating is that all around us, the things are crumbling and they're offering us crumbs, little crumbs to stay with them. Oh, here, here, have, have 0.01% interest over the year. Meanwhile, in the DeFi space, people are getting APY of like 70% or even more, sometimes like in the thousands, you know, that I would probably stay away from. But, but nevertheless, because, not because it's some sort of scam, I mean, there's a lot of scams out there, don't get me wrong, but because the mechanisms have cut out all those middlemen, all those banks in between and all those people skimming off everything. Purely, if you go all the way into banking, the reason why they can offer you those interest rates is because they market make. That's why they market make and they, they invest those funds or they market make and they earn interest on the trades on the Forexes and a bunch of other stuff. And all the way up that chain, people take a cut and you get the tiny little crumbs at the end. Hey, in DeFi, you know what? You take your Ethereum, you chuck or, or whatever, your cake or whatever weird crap you got, and you dump that straight into an automated market maker who's giving you API for it, like uh, a return. So it's absolutely stunning. So it's a black hole that's sucking everything in. No, nothing's going to, there's no reason to stay in this legacy system for much longer. And people people better take the time to educate themselves. And this is why I love podcasts like yours, because it really helps educate people before it happens, before everything goes south. And so, yeah, that's just get out of fiat, whatever you do. Uh, man, a lot to unpack there. First, thank you for the the compliment on the on the podcast. We definitely want to keep 
educating people who know nothing or even crypto OGs in the space with thought leaders in the space. And just to be aware of all the different things that are going on, because like you said, the world of crypto changes very quickly and everything in the world is changing as well. But we want to give you access to be empowered and to be able to create your own generational wealth and your own security, no matter what's going on by worldly events. I do want to spend just a moment to echo. I think we have a ticking time bomb in the regular equity markets across the globe. Just like you said, we solved COVID by printing more money. As anything that can be inflated, we saw inflation happening all across. If you don't believe me, just look at how much you're spending on your groceries right now compared to a couple of years ago. Also, if you look at, like you were saying, there are less people working, there are less companies alive because a lot of them have to shut down, yet the markets are reflecting that everything's been going up. How does that make sense? It doesn't. So I think there is also going to be a great awakening and reckoning of some sort at some point. It's just a matter of when, not a matter of if, in my opinion. But to your point and why I think what you're going to explain with the standard is how do you get to a more stable currency or asset that you can have that no matter what happens, you know that you have something that is not being outrageously just impacted by outside conditions. So can we kind of just unpack, you know, what is the standard and and how is it able to help deflect what is potentially incoming? There's two things that are really important in this space at the moment. And that is one-to-one stable coins, which are like fiat backed. A company sits there and they have $1 sitting in a bank account for an ESC20 or equivalent on other chains that they will always promise to pay one of these for one of these. And that pegs that price. Tether was the first to launch this. It was basically a a way for exchanges to get around regulations of onboarding banks because banks would just shut down. Like when we first launched Voltoro back in 2015, it was almost impossible to get a bank account. So there was a real reason for Tether, for people, you know, being able to trade between the USD, which was, not really the USD, but the exchange would say, well, we don't have USD. We've got this software that just is like, you know, tethered. (laughs) The problem is that this company, like Tether, for instance, I don't want to pick on Tether because there's a whole bunch of them, but let's just pick on Tether. (laughs) They're absolutely massive now. JP Morgan just recently uh, released a report saying that they are up there with the top three largest funds in the world, along with BlackRock. So what happens when there's something with these massive funds? So there's USDC, which is Circle, there's Paxos, there's Binance Coin, like USD as well. There's a whole gamut of them. The problem is that the US is heading very, very quickly towards negative interest rates. And you've got to ask yourself, why isn't there a euro stablecoin? Why isn't there a one-to-one euro stablecoin, really? I mean, you know, they're, they're, people have tried, but they failed. The reason is because they have negative interest rates here. If you've got above 100K, you're paying the bank to have your money in there, which is just bonkers. Like talk about an experiment. You know, people say Bitcoin's an experiment. I mean, that's just gaga. Nevertheless, it's a reality. And the US is heading very quickly towards that. If you keep an eye on the reverse repo markets, for instance, in the US, like these markets are out of control. The state is pretty much buying up all these equities. Like you said, if all jets, uh, like all, all massive airlines are grounded for the first half of 2020, yet their stock's going up and up and up, you've got to scratch your head and go, hmm, either I'm Laurel and Hardy scratching my head or there's something wrong. There's something really uh, wacky going on. So 
these one-to-one stablecoins, if they if there is a big banking crunch, as we mentioned in the first half, of this uh, first part of this conversation, these people are going to have a big hard time. Not only that, if negative interest rates come in, these people it pretty much destroys the business model that they have. So what will happen is that they'll have to lobby the state to say, allow us to go fractional in our reserves, please, because you know, or they'll buy a bank, a license, or you know, or they already have one. And basically, we've got like, pardon the pun, but full circle, you know, USC circle will basically go, hey, let's get away from fiat to go into crypto. And by the way, let's go back to being fractional reserved. And why I'm so passionate about this is because we have basically billions and billions of dollars now that's sitting there and sort of controlling the price of cryptocurrency. Not only that, these companies, they can print this stuff out of nowhere. Like they're literally doing what Leonardo DiCaprio did, was doing at the end of Catch Me If You Can, like just printing checks. Like it's totally illegal, but somehow they can, they, they can do it. I somehow don't know. they can do it. Right. They can say, yeah, like you can say, no, this is actually a dot. Anyway, so I see a moment where you've got multiple things, multiple existential threats towards this huge part of, of the crypto space. And that is negative interest rates, maybe a bank's banking crisis. And then the third one is if CBDCs, which is central bank issued c- cryptocurrency, which will probably start in China, but will very, very quickly once they do it, be released in other countries. These guys don't want to compete with some private stable coin. They're just going to be illegal. You have to use ours. It, it will just happen. And when that happens, that will cause a massive ripple effect. So what's the answer? You know, that's really where the standard came in. And really, who really pioneered it is MakerDAO, because Maker created a stablecoin pegged to the USD, but there's no USD, there's no bank in the middle. It uses an algorithm to stimulate interest rates to, to basically stabilize and peg, soft peg that currency. I didn't think it would work as well as it did when Maker launched like uh, four or five years ago. I was like, hmm, I don't think this is going to, you can't react quick enough with inflation deflation lever to the prices of crypto, but it's worked remarkably well. So basically what the standard is, is taking that and making a next gen version. So I want to unpack it for sure. And something that I also want to reemphasize to a lot of people who enter the crypto space and sometimes forget, right? Because a lot of people get so wrapped up in like, oh, here's this new crypto, here's this new company to the moon. I'm trying to get as much money as I can and be in and out, whatever. MakerDAO took four to five years to get where it is today. You, got, you think about Bitcoin to get to the price point it is today. This took over a decade. You think about where Ethereum is with its ecosystem and everything that's going on with it right now. This took about eight years to build. Like These things take time to build out and to work properly. So you have to broaden your mind on if something sounds like its premise is good, you have to then allow it to have the time to build it out and prove that it works. I just wanted to unpack that for a second and then definitely want to dive into this new and improved kind of what MakerDAO has done and and how the standard is standardizing it and making it even better. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew, are you a college student looking for more ways to actively learn about fintech? Well, look no further. We recently created Cryptocurrent Network, which is educating future leaders on new financial opportunities today. Cryptocurrent Network is a global blockchain and financial technology literacy platform serving to help college students find internships, make connections, and learn about the emerging financial technology industry. For more information, you can check out our show notes or go check out our website or go directly to crypto-current.network. 
Yeah, sure. So one thing that a lot of people talk to me about over the years is, hey, Josh, you're the crypto and the gold guy. <laughs> you know, you, you, you love gold. You're not like Peter Schiff who's like, screw this crypto. And you're not like, you know, uh, all the crypto people that are like, screw gold. It's just, you know, useless. It's old. I really see the, the value of both because, hey, it's insurable and auditable and it's a great uh, diversification in a rare asset. So it's, it's nice. And, and by the way, folks, there's 10 trillion with a T worth of gold sitting in vaulting facilities around the world. So it, this is not a small market. If you think that DeFi is running in the billions of volume, gold is the trillions, you know, and, and just to unpack that even further, because uh, we throw trillions and billions around a lot. Let's just quickly look at that number. A million, if you counted a million seconds is 11 days. Feel one, two, three. You'd be there for 11 days. Uh, that's a million. If you count it for a billion seconds, how long do you reckon you'd be there, Richard? A half a year? 32 years. <laughs> that's nuts. You'd be there for 32 years, right? Hey, what about a trillion? Where do you reckon you'd be in a trillion seconds? Uh, that's 32 years. So let's call it 400. 32,000 years. <laughs> right? People throw these numbers around all the time and they, they can't comprehend it. They can't comprehend the magnitude of what these numbers are. From 11 days to 32 years to 32,000 years, you'd be sitting there one, two, three, a trillion, you know. A lot of people came to me from other companies, other large vaulting facilities and said, Josh, how do we tokenize this gold? How do we make it actually do something? And every time I said, guys, you can't. And I'll tell you why. Because if you tokenize the gold, if you say one gram of this gold in the vault is tethered, pardon the pun, to this ERC-20, and that person dies or loses their private keys or whatever, you're there stuck paying the vaulting facility fees the insurance, the auditing, the men with guns, the large doors, you're paying that forever without ever knowing what's going to happen to this gold. And there are gold, there are people, there are vaults in Switzerland holding gold for that exact reason where they've lost who owns it and they're not allowed to contractually sell it or do anything and they have to pay. There's this weird like thing. That's, that's nuts. Yeah. yeah, it's nuts, right? And that would happen a lot. I mean, there is a lot of lost crypto out there. You know, it's not something that you can just fix. And sure, some have fixed it with weird things, but you can say, oh, well, you'd have like a private investigator investigating if that person actually did lose their private keys or are they just saying that or you could untether it. But to untether, then you'd also need proof because it's an allocated asset that's not your property as the company. It's a can of worms. So I said, you just don't want to do that. Just let people buy gold and sell it back for crypto. That's the way. And that's what Voltoro has done for, for this whole time. But why a lot of people don't like gold is because it's, it has no yield. It just sits there. It's a big block of metal that just gathers dust and holds value extraordinarily well. That's its only function. And so what we wanted to do at the standard was like, okay, how do we, how do we tokenize this? So the solution that we came up with over a long time co contemplating and thinking of how this, to structure this is to allow it to be tokenized only into a smart contract. And that smart contract is only accessible by the user, but the user can never withdraw that tokenized gold into their wallet. So they can never lose the keys. They can lose access to locking it uh, and to generate stable coins, but 
that it doesn't matter. If they lose their keys, that smart contract is paying the bills every month, the most on time it's ever been paid because it's just computationally done until it reaches a collateralization ratio. Anyway, we'll go <laughs> to that. But basically, that's what we're solving in, in that side. Obviously, you can imagine if you've got some gold and you've got some Bitcoin, you've got some Ethereum, and your car breaks down and you're like, man, now I need to buy a car, but Ethereum's going up every day. And I'm like, I don't want to sell my Ethereum. What you can do is you can take your Ethereum, you can take some gold, you can put it into a smart contract. And let's say there's uh, 10,000 bucks in there and you can borrow up to 85% of that and by generating a stable cryptocurrency. So you lock that value in and you say, okay, let's generate a standard euro. We're going to start with euro because there isn't a euro stablecoin like I mentioned before. But later on, we'll be releasing every single currency around the world and going through and try, uh, building a stable alternative. So the, the key here is to have something stable, like it's fairly stable compared to crypto, bullion, be able to collateralize smart contracts and issue yourself a loan. So this is also a weird concept. And I, I just love it. I love the fact that people can borrow money from themselves. You know, kind of like a pawn shop without a pawn shop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, you sort of say, hey, I really need some money. I've got this dope bike. I'm just going to like lock it in a smart contract, issue myself currency, and then pay that currency back to unlock my bike again. And so you don't have some sort of strange uh, parasitic pawn shop that, you know, basically robs you of your stuff and pays you hardly anything back for it once you've got a smart contract. And this is amazing. So this is what the standard is. Um, it's, it's a way to collateralize the 10 trillion sitting in gold around the world and allow people to A, borrow against it, and then use that in the DeFi space to earn an APY, which is impossible with gold. It's one of the reasons why Warren Buffett doesn't like bullion is because it's like, oh, well, I'd rather buy a house because it has some return. Well, now you can buy something really great store of value that's bank independent and tokenize it, play around in the DeFi space by market making. But also it doesn't, it's not fathomable to this same problems that these central one-to-one stable coins are. So there's a lot that you just said there. And I want to take away some of the key points that you brought up. I think some of the main ones that for the listeners here is essentially you have a way to take something collateralized like actual physical gold and then be able to turn it into cryptocurrency like a Bitcoin. And then now while that's locked up and you're letting that sit there, they can learn, earn APY, annual percentage yield. Um, and instead of having to liquidate your Bitcoin for money, you can let it sit there. You can now get a loan against your own money so that you can still let your, your, your Bitcoin potentially be appreciating, have it pegged to the euro. So now you have this money that you can now use to go buy the new bike or whatever it is. And then once you get the money back, pay it back. And now you still have all your Bitcoin still there and it's still been appreciating without you ever truly having to touch it. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. And there's some really interesting things there. For instance, the US has just passed like some nuts capital gains tax. So you, you're not selling your crypto. So you don't pay capital gains tax. So this is quite important. This is uh, about optimizing taxes. And you definitely shouldn't dodge taxes. It's not tax dodging. It's, it's literally just optimizing your tax structure. So rather than selling the crypto, you're borrowing, you're taking a loan. There's no capital gains tax on that. And then you're paying it back. And the second part of it is, a lot of people, they don't know because it's not taught in schools, but how do the rich survive 
traditionally, during a hyperinflation or inflationary periods of economic times. And that is by shorting the things that's being inflated away. So for instance, what that means is that when you short something, obviously, you know, Richard, but maybe I'll break it down for your audience. No, please do. You know, everyone knows that if you buy a Tesla stock and it goes up in price and then you sell it, you've made a profit, right? It's pretty easy to grasp. You're like, that's how you make money. But how do people make money when it goes down? Well, what you do is you borrow the stock. Say Richard's got some Tesla stock. I borrow it from him. I sell it right away. And then the price drops because I'm hoping it's dropping. It drops and drops and drops. And then I buy it back. I give Richard back what he lent me and I keep the difference. And this difference is how I profit from the price going down. So this shorting mechanism is what you want to do when the, let's say the dollar is inflating away. Like uh, you said, Richard, earlier, that the shopping's costing more and more and more. It's not because the shopkeepers are greedy. It's literally the money is becoming worth less and less and less. And that's basically the price going down of the dollar compared to groceries, compared to pork, pork bellies and corn and all the commodities. So as this is going down, how do you profit? How do you keep your savings safe? Well, you take a loan out. Traditionally, rich people would take big fixed interest rate loans and they would buy property like crazy, you know, just buy property, borrow like crazy, sell the, the, that for real stuff. And then let's say you've bought a house with a loan in 10 years time, that maybe that same cost for that house now is the cost of a carton of milk. Well, then you've just paid off your house with a carton of milk effectively. <laughs> so, so this is the thing, during, during large inflation cycles, you want to be in debt. It's a really counterintuitive thing, but you want to be in well-structured debt. And to be able to just get rid of all banks and be able to borrow from yourself is really cool because, hey, maybe you take a loan out for that bike, wait 10 years, and that loan now is worth, I don't know, the same price as the pump that you bought with the bike. <laughs> like, that's kind of what you want to do is optimize uh, the way you, you deal with taxation, but also, also deal with, uh, with the inflationary problem. And the third thing that's really interesting is that I, I've noticed that as a crypto business, we pay a lot of people in crypto, a lot of people, like 99% of people want to be paid now in stable coins. And because A, it's really easy to account for. They're like, okay, I, I put an invoice for 99 bucks and I got it 99 bucks. You know, I, I didn't, I, that's it. With Bitcoin, it's like, I got Bitcoin 3.855. The interest rate, the, the, the conversion rate was this at that time, but actually on, only on that exchange because the other exchange, some fat finger really bought a lot. So I don't know, like it's a nightmare. So what they do is they ask for stable coins and then with those, they buy some Bitcoin to invest in or they buy some Ethereum. It's just much easier to deal with. I really see stablecoins as a massive future. Definitely not the one-to-ones. Where I see the future is these algorithmic stablecoins. They really are. Maybe we can talk about how they stay stable. Yeah. I actually had on another guest recently who was talking about, as you look at the future, one of them is going to be stablecoins. I don't know that they all survive, but the ones that do, it's they're going to dominate. And I think when you look at APYs, a lot more... Structures are going to be more lenient to wanting to help you give higher APYs with a stablecoin as opposed to an, a newer crypto. So yeah, let's let's unpack that for a second. Of like, how do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, like algorithmic stablecoins are have an interesting 
have an interesting uh, mechanism. And that is that when you take these loans out, it's just a it's just a token, like an NFT or anything else, right? It could it could definitely just if you left it to the free market, it would have all the rest, all the volatility like a normal token. But what what you say to the market is you say, no, this one is pegged to the euro. And when it goes, because it's come from a from a loan, someone's borrowed against themselves to generate this thing. So there's more capital sitting locked up that is backing effectively this thing that's out here. And then you say, this thing here is worth a euro. And if it drops below the price of a euro, of an actual, uh, you know, ECB, European Central Bank issued euro, if it drops below that, what, you, what the, the algorithm would do or the community would say, hey, let's lift interest rates. So you lift interest rates across the board and people, go, people that have taken debt out for themselves go, that's too expensive for me. I'm going I'm to pay off my debt. And so they go into the, to the open market and, and they start buying standard euro back. And that, that demand causes the price to lift back up and it maybe overshoots. Uh, you know, there's more and more people buy. So then they drop interest rates and people go, oh, wow, it's just interest rates cheaper. I'm going to borrow it from myself again. And they might take another loan out and dump that on the market, creating supply. It springs it back down. So this is why it's called a soft peg, these algorithmic stablecoins, because they're not really hard. But the softness is, is really quite hard. Like it's, a, it's remarkably effective. If you look at the history of DAI, like if you go on a coin market cap and look, click on DAI, which is the first algorithmic stablecoin that was generated, over time, it's like there was a in the beginning, there was a bit of a bit of volatility, but it's been really nice for, and it's been nice through some big dumps, like some big market headaches. So it's 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 really I'm I'm super fascinated by that. The the only issue I have with with Maker in terms of how they decide interest rates is that they use a voting mechanism, and you know I'm I'm a bit of an uh, you know voluntarist, uh, anarcho-capitalist type, you know, I, I find voting like a, it's a silly mechanism, I, but it's better than a dictatorship. <laughs> it's better than a monarchy. But I, I think there's, there's room to, you know, it's either like, no, you're either for that or it's for democracy. And I'm like, yeah, there's other ways. Like, and one of the really cool ways that I, I love the idea of uh, exploring anyway, I mean, who knows if it'll work, but is the idea of prediction markets being used. And there's a lot of academic research behind, uh, behind uh, prediction markets stating that they are the best way humans have to determine the future, apart from seeing, you know, the old lady at the fair that, you know, looks in a ball there. <laughs> but they're, they're remarkably accurate. Of course, they're not 100%. But what happens in a prediction market to tell the future, and what a prediction market is, is basically a bet is you would uh, say you have a sports team and the odds uh, of a whole bunch of people betting will usually determine the, the, the team that will win. And, and why is this? Because I might be absolutely in love with Team Red. I'm like, Team Red is the one. I love it. It's uh, my whole life, my family, my father, my grandfather were all Team Reds. But the goalie just broke his leg like three days ago. The other guy's totally sick. They've got this dodgy guy stepping in. They're playing team blue and, uh, you know, I'm putting money down. I think they're going to win. So I'm going to put my money on team blue. It allows you, like putting skin in the game sort of removes this dogma that people have about their own, you know, ideas. And so imagine if we could use that for governance instead. So you'd say, Something like the question would be, what, uh, what interest would moving the interest rate up 0.1% in the next 10 minutes uh, peg 
you're closer to zero uh, to one to one in the next 10 minutes than a point two, or you know, questions like these, and people would place bets. And whatever the odds are, uh, that's what the system then would choose to, to adjust. I think this is a really fascinating idea. I, I, I want to explore it further. Uh, one of the really great people that, uh, you know, even Satoshi used the Merkle trees, and this is from Ralph Merkel, the inventor of the Merkle tree. He's obsessed with Fuchaki, which is this whole idea of governance through prediction markets, you know, rather than saying, I vote for Trump or I vote for uh, this other person or I vote for, well, I shouldn't have brought up Trump because that causes all sorts of problems. But, uh, but you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, instead of saying I vote for, uh, you know, President A, um, you say, will, uh, will you be happier uh, or maybe a better metric than happier? Will there be more jobs 20% job growth in five years' time if President A or President B gets in place your bets. <laughs> and then people are like, pretty sure President B, uh, you know, I like President A more. Uh, he's pretty cool, but President B does have more, uh, you know, a better plan in terms of that. So putting away dogma is to win, because if then in five years' time, that's when you get rewarded for telling, for finding the truth in the future. By that reward, it's, it's really interesting. Anyway, there's a great conversation on Epicenter Bitcoin with Ralph Merkel. He's a, he's, he's a top guy and a really well thought out, structured uh, conversation with him. But this is what we're looking to do with the standard as well. Is move. We're going to start with voting because we need critical mass to have prediction markets. You need a lot of people participating. But this is a like DAOs in general, uh, decentralized autonomous organizations. They're the ones that, that hold the, the, TS, the governance token of the standard. They're the ones that vote on the interest rates. And the thing is that, that we're seeing in DAOs generally across the board is um, voter apathy. You know, people just don't care about voting. They're like, I don't know. I don't want to partake. And then if you like try to stimulate people to or promote people to vote, like by giving them a reward, say, hey, you get a reward for voting. They just come on the website and they click anything. They don't care. They just click anything because then they get the reward and they go it's kind of this balancing act to say, hey, how do we get more participation and uh, and how do you get better answers? And I think prediction markets are a great way to do that. <laughs> Sorry, total like brain dump there. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, definitely a lot to unpack. Um, everyone listening, make sure you go just take that in. I'm probably going to go back and listen to it a couple of times because it is interesting in a lot of different ways that that can be unwound and used in, in a lot of practical ways. But man, you dropped a tremendous amount of knowledge on us today. We definitely appreciate it. But what is a final thought that you want to leave with all the listeners here today? Final thought, you know, this world, we're living in probably the most interesting time in history. And there's some really, really strong, good crypto projects out there. And I'm seeing so many, just so much rubbish just coming out of the crypto space as well. Don't miss your opportunity to find strong projects in the space. Don't miss the opportunity to find infrastructure because the infrastructure is being built right now. And uh, a lot of people are like, oh, look at that funny like dog coin over there, you know, or whatever, like Doge or, or Inuit or whatever, like Rainbow or Poo coin or yeah, I, I don't know. There's a whole circus of craziness, right? It's totally fun. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a free market. But hey, there's a lot of opportunity out there right now of infrastructure that's being built that is building the Web3 up right now, especially with the whole layer two technologies that are coming out and there's a whole gamut of them and, and we, you know maybe we can talk about them in another show but they are also fascinating because the scaling debate really is just starting as well and it's a, and it's kind of a 
it's not a war like Bitcoin was, you know, fortunately, but it's a, it's definitely, it's a battle because there's so many different scaling technologies, uh, for, especially for Ethereum, but just general blockchain scaling, it, they all have the same sort of, you know, needs. This is interesting as well, because you can't just have so many because the liquidity, if you spread the liquidity across every single one of these scaling solutions, there wouldn't be enough liquidity really needed that, that, that's needed. So if you did a swap, there'd be way too much slippage because the market makers would have to have a pot in every single second layer chain or, or side chain or ZKs, whatever. So eventually, I think what will happen is people will migrate towards one that's getting less and less slippage and, and the volume will track more and more. And that, that will then really harden that network effect. All these things, there's really, really good opportunity. You know, we're hoping that the standard is, you know, will become a standard uh, across the world. We're really looking to not only be that in the DeFi space, but, you know, when, when banks and all this banking structure collapses, I think the thing that, that are left, funnily enough, weirdly enough, are these massive vaulting facilities uh, of, of the past that the wealthy have kept their assets in and the, the middle class have just totally forgotten about. They just use their banks. But these facilities, they're private facilities, and they need a network just like SEPA, just like SWIFT, just like uh, these, these banking networks have. And we're hoping that the standard, and you know, it comes from the gold standard, of course, but I'm hoping that the standard will be able to connect all of these, not only to each other, but into the DeFi space, turning DeFi from billions to trillions. And let's see if we can do it. <laughs> no doubt. Well, we'll definitely stay posted on the journey as that comes together. I mean, you laid out a lot of stuff that we can go and unpack even more. I'm sure. I mean, we could easily spend an hour plus on just unpacking it all, but it's a lot of good information that people really need to go absorb, understand what's going on and start to participate in the opportunities that, that are there. It's all about educating, like you said at the beginning of the show, and you have to continue to further educate yourself on the various ways that you can keep diversifying your portfolio, having ways to stabilize and keep having access to information of the various ways that you can keep getting involved. So again, Joshua, really appreciate you spending time with us. What are ways that people can connect with you and learn more about the standard? Hey, you can, um, you can check out the telegram, which is t.me slash the standard underscore IO, or you just go to the standard.io and all the links are there. You can follow me on Twitter, which is at jshigala, which is Josh, uh, J, and then shigala, S-C-I-G-A-L-A. I'm constantly posting stuff <laughs> there if you're interested, but um, you can definitely keep up with that there. But the standard.io is probably the, the place to go. Excellent. Well, again, we really appreciate your time today. And for everyone listening, stay CryptoCurrent. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from Just a Sapien. Cryptocurrent is a valuable resource to learn about crypto and all the builders in the blockchain space. Keep up the great work. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. 
you'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to deritterproductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.